Welcome to Jim and Winston's one year anniversary of Seize the Day. We have a fantastic topic today and uh, it's got to do with a lot of luck, chance and maybe even grand design. Yes, you guessed it, it. Yes, serendipity. Serendipity. <laughs> Jim and I are excited. We're excited that we fulfilled our commitment to each other as friends to uh, bring one year of episodes to you and I uh, hope our, our listener base is increasing as the months go by, Jim. But Regardless, we're enjoying ourselves, aren't we? <laughs> oh, we certainly are. And you know what? I recommend to everybody out there, uh, it, it doesn't have to be long distance through the internet. It can be over a coffee with a friend. But go out and have those deep discussions that are a little more esoteric than the day-to-day, -day, how the Canucks do last night sort yes. of situation. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, Jim and I were doing some pre-talk uh, preamble before we did the recording here and we were just talking about how fortunate we both feel that the, even the way we met I and mean, our topic today is serendipity about uh, and you found a great Webster's Dictionary definition for serendipity Jim we want to share that <laughs> certainly do luck that takes the form of finding valuable or pleasant things that are not looked for wow yeah that's deep I mean look at that I mean Luck that takes the form of finding valuable or pleasant things that are not looked for. So I think that means that sometimes we have to pay attention to our intuition or recognize what could be serendipitous because it could go right by you and you don't even know it's there. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean you think about how we meet our significant others, you think about how being in the right place at the right time is often overlooked or those chance moments where close calls on the road that we almost get into an accident but we don't I mean there's a little bit of serendipity in being in the right place at the right time you know oh sure is and you know that's basically how uh, Winston and I met uh, you know I was trying to track down somebody who knew something about uh, some instrumentation my former employer had and I was tasked with getting that instrumentation to function properly and we just um, sort of uh, gained a friendship through that brief business relationship. Yeah, and you know, when we think back and talk about that, that relationship, it, it was one of those things where neither of us really had to pursue it to the level that we did, but because we had that joint drive to want to make something work, we end up becoming friends in the process. It's like partners in war or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and you know, the, one of the really valuable things about that is we've, you know, even though this is a long distance situation, we've had the, the opportunity to meet personally and spend a bit of time together three or four times. So that's, that's just even that much greater a bonus. Yeah. And you know, even th this monthly podcast that we've committed to, at first it seemed like such a long time to commit to a month, right? Or like a year, I mean. And then uh, as time goes on, we don't see any end to this. So as long as you guys, actually it, it doesn't even matter. We're not playing it this to a, necessarily an audience. We're just doing it for the love of doing it. So it's in its purest form of uh, truly throwing it out to the universe to find whoever it's meant to find, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and maybe through somebody listening to our conversations, serendipity might fall into their life. Yeah, exactly. And you know, that's the true gift of this whole thing. Um, if you're driving along and you need something to listen to and you find our podcast once a month, 
maybe it's like having um, you know having a fly on the wall and, and listening in on some friends talking but who knows maybe there's a, a topic or some uh, angle that we're looking at things that might trigger your new perspective on life and if that's uh, the purpose it served and then all all the power to it you know Jim yeah you bet and um, sometimes you you hear something or observe something and it, it puts you in this situation where you want to learn a little bit more about that. So fill your boots. <laughs> yeah. So this is our, uh, our one-year anniversary episode, October 2016. And um, let's talk about everything serendipitous. <laughs> so, you know, we, we're, Jim and I were talking about taking chances. And uh, one, of my, um, one of my friends, an acting coach, Scott, he always told me, if you want to really experience life, you've got to jump in. Just jump right in, you know. I mean, don't stand on the sidelines, hoping, wishing, uh, thinking about it, shoulda, woulda, coulda, but actually just jump in, take the chance, and experience. Because even if you fail, it's better to have tried than have not even have participated. Because you'll never get the the joy of uh, of the victory that you could have had if you're standing on the sidelines. Yeah, and I've heard, often heard this said that there's potentially more learning in failure than there is in success. Definitely hurts when you fail. No question about that. Well, I mean, definitely hurts, but yeah. you know, there's, there's been lots of, lots of, oh, I'll use the athletic analogy teams yeah. that, you know, didn't go through, we'll use the Stanley cup, didn't go through to the Stanley cup on their first try at getting there. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, they, and maybe like our, Dear Canucks there, they've had three close calls at it, but sometimes there's maybe more lessons in the failure than there is in the victory. Although yeah. there's certainly not the sweetness in the in the failure like there is in the victory. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, a lot of times we look at uh, life through a different lens or a, a filter, and uh, we're looking for things that are like massively significant to try to find the serendipitous events like it's very obvious like we we're talking about lotteries and and um synchronicities that everybody can't deny like you know when you happen to be in the right place at the right time and it leads to big windfalls or otherwise but it doesn't have to be that that big sometimes it's like um if you're sick and finding the right doctor or it could be you know finding the right connection that leads you to a, a solution of a problem that you've been looking a long time for um, you miss those things if you make it so hard to be impressed, so to speak, you know? Um, I think sometimes we find we make it really hard to um, be happy in life because we make the barrier to being happy a very, very long process. You know, it doesn't have to be like life-changing every time that something serendipitous happens. It, ha it just has to be enough or significant enough that... Um, uh, that it catches your attention so that you have an appreciation for it. Yeah. And so it can be some real simple stuff that, that you can actually um, gain appreciation for. It doesn't have to be anything grandiose. Like, um, you know, I walk to work and sometimes you, you don't really notice what's going on and some days you you do. And we're getting into the time of year where you can, you can walk to work and in the morning still see the moon out on the walk to work and eh, sometimes you don't really think too much about it. Then you see it and, you know, 
right lighting, right everything. And it, it's, it's quite a pleasant image to have that walking to work at, you know, 7.30 in the morning. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think about the fall uh, as it's upon us now. Like, as we enter into October and, um, you know, people are getting colds and flus. And, um, you know, it's funny. I was uh, talking to my daughter today and about how people are... Um, or starting to get sick and she goes yeah you know I've been noticing how some of my friends are beginning sick and um, she started to appreciate the little things that parents do when they're around so like you know for, for example some of her friends have um, come a long distance to study at the university and she's um, started her first year there and she's starting to really appreciate the little things that she has it's not really serendipitous but the thing that's amazing about it is that when it's all when you have things around you all the time that are so easily accessible you take them for granted you don't see the magic in having a resource around until it's gone it could be as simple as like okay I need to write down something but I don't have a pen <laughs> and then magically this pen appears from somewhere shape or form and it becomes a magical tool if you if you really need it but if it's sitting around you all the time and you don't need it it has no function at all I don't know where I was going with that but I still think <laughs> I, I <laughs> well, well we, we took a we took a trip a couple weekends ago, yeah. Winston, to mm. um, Penticton, mm. and you know we both worked most of the day. We were both able to get out a little bit early, you know, two thirty. I think we were out of town, something like that, and we were, we stayed in the Soyuz, and then went on to Penticton the next day. So, you know, usually I pull the highway driving, but. Colleen was fine. We were going to swap at Creston and she just kept going. She actually drove all the way to a Soyuz. So I'm sitting back just loving the drive because it's, you know, it's on the cusp of fall. Things haven't fully changed. Not all the trees are starting to change. If you know anything about British Columbia, Southern British Columbia, there's large trees that have a very unique yellow to them and a, a very vibrant, different green. But when you take the number three highway, it's, like it's actually four different passes to get to a Soyuz. So you're constantly climbing and descending and climbing and descending. And in that climbing and descending, you go through different vegetations ending up virtually in desert in a Soyuz. So, you know, I'm just, we've got a, you know, a, a MP3 disc going that lasted for the whole drive and I'm enjoying the music and just looking out the windows and, just really, really enjoying the scenery as it's going by. And I've made this drive a lot of times, mm -hmm. maybe a hundred times in my life. And I have made those observations again, but I never came up with this thought until, until this last drive. And, you know, this is basically our backyard for, you know, in North American terms to drive five hours, is not a big deal. Right. So exactly. It, and then the next day we went on to Penticton and we were at our uh, rugby tournament that I was helped doing a little coaching at and stuff like that. The game finished on the Saturday and we went out, we managed to spend a bit of time on the Naramata bench, did a really quick little wine tour mm -hmm. and, and then went and checked into our hotel. And, you know, that's all within six hours of our home. And I thought, you know, in one of the wineries, there were these people who'd flown all the way from Toronto, rented a car, and that's what they're doing. This is their grandiose vacation. 
we do this on a weekend getaway because we were going to a rugby tournament. It just serendipitously happened to be right at the same time or, or getting the chance to do that observation at the same time. So I thought to myself, what we take for granted, others seek. Oh, yeah, I love that. I love that. I love the wisdom of that. So, you know, it, it was just just a, a exceptionally enjoyable, um, you know, five hours sitting in the passenger seat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love that. You know, it is, isn't that profound to be able to have the wisdom to stand back and see um, how simple things are, are often overlooked, you know? Um, it, it's so true. In our society, you know, I was talking to my... Um, my wife about champagne problems. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Megan Trainer, for writing that song. But we're talking about first world problems, such as like low battery on an iPhone, or um, you know, out of stock of a particular color of tie when you need it the most. Or whereas other people in the world are struggling to find clean sources of clean water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so everything's relative, isn't it, Jim? I mean, you know. Um, I just, as we're, uh, as we're speaking, I just uh, received a, an email from a buddy of mine, a business colleague, and uh, he just let us know, let me know that he'd uh, listened to one of our episodes of our podcast, and uh, he thought it was really cool. So I thought that's kind of neat that as we're doing the podcast, we're getting feedback about one of our previous podcasts. <laughs> Excellent. Serendipity, isn't it? At the right yeah. time. Yes, very much so. <laughs> so, hey, so Jim, tell me in your life, uh, which uh, events would you call very serendipitous in, in your life? Like, if you think back, if I said, name the top three things that have happened in your life that you consider the most serendipitous out of your long existence, what would you consider your top three? Wow. Um, number one, meeting my wife. Wow. So we, I lived in a fourplex mm -hmm. and uh, Colleen moved in next door. Wow. So that's how we first met. She moved out and bought a house by the time we ended up starting to date and all that sort of stuff. But uh, that, was, that was extremely serendipitous. Mm -hmm. um, not on nearly the same scale I was in Australia, and I set out to go to, um, I was going to go to, I think it was called the Blue Mountains, the walk of it, of 10,000 steps or something like that. And I, I was in a place called Dubbo, so I just set out hitchhiking. I'd met some friends, and we'd stayed in a caravan park, which is basically holiday trailers as motel rooms. So, you know, I got out and within five minutes I had a ride and this guy was going all the way down to a beach suburb of Sydney, right past where I wanted to go. And he basically said, well, this is a real cool suburb. Next suburb down has a, has a really nice hostel and I, I can take you there if you're interested. So, we, you know, we got to the, the Blue Mountains, which was probably still about an hour and a half away from, uh, from Avalon Beach. And it was absolutely pouring rain. And I turned to the guy and I said, you know what, I think I will take you up on that ride to the hostel. <laughs> so it was great. I, I ended up going right to this hostel and I ended up spending probably six or seven or eight weeks in that hostel over my travels in Australia. And I got work out of that hostel and, and met uh, 
all sorts of interesting people, other travelers, all sorts of stuff. So, you know, I, I would call that a pretty serendipitous occasion. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Eh? yeah. Wow. And I mean, you know, at the time it was happening, do you feel that way? Or is it like acquired wisdom over years? <laughs> uh, I never really looked at it as, as anything more than what it was, was just a ride at the time. Right, right. But, you know, over the years, you, you, you realize how much that place, I wouldn't say impacted you, but how much you enjoyed it. And the fact that that wasn't actually my destination. Mm -hmm. It was something else, but the weather kind of uh, directed me to that point. And I got the last bed in the hostel that night, too. Oh, no kidding. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's serendipitous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Wow. By the time we're done, our hope is our audience will now make serendipity part of their daily vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's not a word I've used very often. <laughs> you know, it's funny because like for those of you who are movie buffs, I was telling Jim that one of my favorite movies is Serendipity. It's, uh, it's got John Cusack in there. And um, what's funny about the movie is that um, I was trying to convince Jim to have a date night with his wife and watch that on the on the DVD or tube. I'm trying to find him a, a copy of it. It's uh, with John Cusack and Kate and Beckinsale in there, and it's talk. And, and the the tagline is destiny with a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, it's about these two characters who are already kind of dating other people, but they serendipitously meet at a, a department store while they're doing some Christmas shopping. Um, I won't give away the whole movie, but part of it, they end up just talking, having a cup of coffee. But you know, one of the characters thinks that fate is intervening by trying to convince them not to see each other. And uh, the other character is saying, but, you know, maybe we have to intervene a little bit in life in order to make things happen. And they go through this kind of like this seesaw, yin-yang, push and pull, uh, destiny um, argument that kind of drives them a little bit to the extremes until they, they finally do reconnect again. And, I mean, for those of you looking for a nice romantic comedy that makes you think about destiny and chance, that's a pretty good movie to watch. It's, it was, I think it came out probably... In um, 2001 or so, it's but you'll find it on Amazon or wherever. I'm not there to advertise the movie, just the idea of it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that brings a question I'm going to pose, Winston. Sure. Go for it, bud. Um, luck that takes the form of finding valuable or pleasant things that are not looked for. Wow, is, wow. That, is that by grand design or by chance? Good question. Um, I'll bring something new to the mix that I wasn't even planning on. That's what we do. We bring in the, the everything into these uh, these podcasts, don't we, Jimmy? Oh, yeah. We will take any tangent presented. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did some uh, um, a study in the sort of like, uh, I guess a couple of years back, I was looking at different angles and just really digging deep into life purpose and trying to find out um, the greater meaning in things. And so um, as a technical person, formally trained as an engineer, I... You know, I wanted to see the other side that wasn't so structured and organized. So I started exploring other avenues of hobbies and from acting to um, hand analysis to other things. And, and I, I would tend to say that although I believe that certain things are by grand design, I still think maybe because it's, it's a desirable way to think that we have an influence on the grand design, grand design's layout and structure. I mean, what I mean is that um, I think that there is, if, if you're planning a building, 
there's a building that's going to be made, but how it actually comes about and the shape, form, colors, and all these little details it still has uh, potential to be influenced by those constructing it. So I, I'm not saying that the, the architect or whoever who designed that wouldn't know an ultimate vision, but I think that vision is still subject to change based on the people who are involved in the project. So if I extrapolate from something so technical as a building, but look at someone's life, I think that my idea is that we have this chessboard and we make certain moves. The end game might be that it's checkmate and we're done, but I think the process of getting to that is somewhat subject to the choices that we make. I'll go with another um, kind of athletic analogy of luck. Okay, go for it. And luck is the meeting of preparation and skill. Exactly. I, I believe in that, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I've also heard some people say, the harder I worked, the luckier I got. <laughs> so, you know, so I, I agree. I, th I think there's a, an element of chance, but there's got to be an element of recognition and pursuit too. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I think that um, there's a lot of truth to that because the luckiest people I know are the hardest workers generally. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, sometimes you also have to recognize an opportunity. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure we've, there's not a person alive that hasn't had the, the opportunity bus flow by him a million times and only stepped on it at one, two, three, five, whatever. And, and maybe some of the luckiest people jumped on the right bus at the right time and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and I think Malcolm Gladwell explores that in The Outliers. Yes, he does. He does. Yeah. And, and just the, the, the whole idea that, you know, someone like Bill Gates was in the right place at the right time. He was. And, you know, all of us uh, junior computer techies who were around the same time as Bill Gates and maybe even, like, uh, Steve Jobs, who hadn't tinkered a little bit with, a, like, a Radio Shack computer or a TRS-80 or a small Sinclair, you know, $100 job. We've... Um, we all had that opportunity and probably kicking ourselves now for not pursuing it further. <laughs> but, and, and, and that's success on a business financial level. You know, I think maybe my connotation of serendipity is more on a, on a relationship or, or um, creative um, result. Yeah, you know, I hear you. I hear you. And there's like a lot of um, degrees of, of luck and chance. And I think funny, you know, you're, we're surrounded in this, in this society with um, opportunity, but, you know, all of us will, will contest that sometimes wanting to, to have a free windfall, you know, whether at the lotto, lotto machine or otherwise, or maybe trying our luck down in Vegas sometimes, right? But <laughs> it, there's nothing wrong with striving for it, but it's even more satisfying and more wetting of the appetite when you have some some hand in making that that chance happen. The view from the top of the mountain's a lot nicer when you work for it. It does. You, you know, you feel that level of satisfaction when you make the climb, and um, and you know you've you've actively participated in it. They say that a majority of like lottery winners actually end up uh, either in the same place or worse off than when they started, which is hard to believe when you win a windfall, right? But um, you know, this case in case again of people who. Um, 
you know, they win a windfall or they have a, a great um, surprise like that and then they squander it either not by, by not being prepared or they can't even believe their luck so they end up where they started from, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and it's a, it's kind of a an interesting predicament to be in and I've daydreamed on that predicament a little bit. So I think with you know, uh, unexpected windfall or, or, you know, with obscene amounts of money <laughs> yeah. also comes with responsibility. So in that, I think, you know, you maybe, let's just say you won $10 million. Sure. Right. Okay. Let's, let's say we did it. Like, I'm let's just say we did it. My <laughs> idea of responsibility with, with that would be to take 20% and put it in a trust for uh, non-profits, charities, worthy causes, and even kind of like a dragon's den situation or something like that. Somebody who's maybe got an idea, you know, so a little bit of venture capital out of that 20%. Because some people have great ideas, but they don't have any money. Yeah. But it would be like a grant application. Right, right, right. So, you know, and, and I think that is, has got a dual benefit to it. One is people are going to seek you out because you got this windfall. Mm -hmm. And, well, here's your avenue to access some of it. <laughs> Don't bother me. <laughs> but it's also some responsibility to be able to share that wealth. And, and that would be a trust. So... It's the interest that bears from it, so it's perpetual. I like that. It, it can award money every year. Yeah, no, that's deep. The fact that you've got the forethought um, to do that, that's brilliant. I mean, I think most people would benefit from that, even that concept of it. Maybe people listening to this right now may, had not, may, may not have had that same kind of um, uh, forethought about that, but if they adopt that idea, the world will be a better place. Well, and, and that's just part of it. I mean, obviously, you're going to make some family and friends' lives more comfortable. That that's a that's a given. That's probably the first priority. Is it probably it is the first priority, and then that would be like a a secondary thing. And you know, with like I say, with that winning that amount of money comes problems. But if I'm going to have problems, those are the ones I want. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's it's interesting. You know, when we have the time to step back and look at um, um, these events before they happen, it's kind of nice to sort of like plan it ahead. Unfortunately, lots of times it doesn't happen to us. <laughs> we have to get just to enact these these great grandiose plans. But I think if destiny's a calling and there is a grandmaster plan, look us up. We've got the plan in place. You know, We've got the blueprint, right, Jim? Ready oh, to rock. Yeah. Ready to rock and roll, so don't hold that. I, I put my two cents in a P&E lottery. Still haven't won that prize yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Winston. Uh, I've given you two examples of serendipity in my life. Okay. How about a couple from you? Okay. Wow, Jim knows how to bat that ball right back, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, wow, so many crazy things have happened. Um, and I'll take a recent example. I was... Um, uh, you know, I was telling Jim about this um, flight back from Toronto that I had coming back from a wedding recently, and um, 
it, it was an interesting flight. I had a, a fellow butt in front of me in line, and uh, I had another a fellow kind of rag me out for sitting in his seat on the plane, and um, and it was funny. I, I didn't intentionally sit on his, sit in the seat that he had. Uh, I'll get. I was in the right row. Just you know those funny icons that show you which seats which. Um, got it mixed up. But the ironic thing is that when I always believe that when life takes things away, it gives you something back. It may not be what you want, but it'll give you something back. <laughs> <laughs> but generally speaking, it's not a bad thing. So, but I, you know, I thought it was kind of funny that this fellow was making such a big deal about a seat, considering we were on the same row and we'd have to be sitting together for the next five hours, right? So I, I moved out of the seat and went to the window seat, which is my preference anyways. So that was serendipitous that he... By him catching me in the wrong seat, I ended up in a better seat. And then serendipity happened that the, the person that was sitting in front of him night likes to recline, so he reclines fully in front of him so that he's basically eating his hair. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought serendipity, maybe karma has a great play there. But in, that, in the process of that, I ended up sitting next to a really interesting fellow uh, by the name of Adam, and um, we really hit it off. Um, he's an actor-filmmaker, and uh, like like Jim had mentioned, I, I dabbled a little bit in acting, um, more for fun than anything else. And we had a really great talk. We, he shared detail about his acting career, his filmmaking career, gave me a preview of one of his um, movies that he's working on. And I just thought that the gift of friendship was one of those unexpected uh, benefits of going on that trip. That was serendipitous. Now, that's even on a small scale. We're not talking life-changing, monumental lightning strike me now situations right <laughs> but it was i was aware enough that i actually gave him a compliment and when i went for coffee with him subsequently i said you know what the gift of you is that you made me uh, more conscious about living you made me a more conscious person by making me aware of things that i normally would have not noticed but just his observation as a writer as a as a filmmaker, and he thought that was a, a great compliment um, because I think that's what he strives to do in the work that he does creatively. He wants to touch people and touch people's emotions um, that aren't normally felt, and try to find some um, way of, of sparking that interest in his filmmaking. And I thought I think in just his passion for his work, he really made me appreciate um, how to live consciously rather than subconsciously. That's quite a gift. Yeah. And, and I think that just looking at it from stepping back is it changed the whole flight experience for one. So yeah. it, it, there was something valuable or pleasant involved in that. And then beyond that, to even get together after a flight, you know, a lot of people would say, okay, here's your card, here's my card, and the phone never rings, right? Exactly, yeah. But in this case, it certainly did, and, you know, I'm sure it's probably not going to be the last time the phone rings. Yeah, no, it, it turned into a, a great experience. I think we both uh, found it rewarding to connect up, and it's not often you get a great meeting of the minds. I mean, we're lucky enough that every month we have our meeting of the minds. So... <laughs> so uh, you know, this in itself is serendipitous, right? Um, if I was going to name a couple other events, um, similarly, I, I met my wife um, in, after um, I had a breakup. And, um, you know, like I was saying, life takes things away and, and brings you something back. And um, it was my brother 
who um, connected uh, me and my existing my my wife um, up, and it was kind of serendipitous because he was kind of tired of seeing me mope around and then being happy after the breakup. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe he just thought, well, I can't imagine sitting and him sit on the couch for the rest of his life. So I'll set him up. <laughs> I'll set him up on a blind date, and um, you know, as luck would have it, um, you know, he connected my, connected us up, and then um, we went on a blind date basically, and got together, and then it just kind of went so smoothly that it was unbelievable. We ended up just um, getting along, imagine unimaginably well, and then got engaged, got married, had a kid. You know, Bob's your uncle 20 years later. And, you know, <laughs> it, the crazy part of that was that it was really unexpected. I went on that blind date not expecting very much, right? Really. I mean, I think most people can relate to the idea that you go out. If you've ever been in a relationship that hasn't worked, then you kind of assume that the next one, you're gonna, you're not going to get your feet wet that quickly because you don't know if it's going to actually be a great experience. Um, but, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? So you got to jump in. Yeah, um, there's lots of times we've are, are doing something in life and, you know, we're going to something, whatever it may be. And sometimes we go in with really high expectations and that's almost like setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah, I agree. If you go in with reasonable expectation, then, you know, things can tilt either direction quite easily. Mm -hmm. And you're right, there are certain times in life that we, we have no expectation of anything and, and something comes of it. I'll give you an example of that. Sure. Um, David Chilton. Oh, yeah, the Wealthy Barber author, right? Yeah, the Wealthy Barber. Mm -hmm. So um, I'd been off work for a while with a hip replacement and went back to work, and I'd done a lot of reading during the four months that I was off and we have a wellness or the, the former employment or workplace had a wellness committee and they will do challenges from time to time. So I got back to work and there was this reading challenge. So, you know, how many books did you read? What were they? Blah, blah, blah. And I think it was a draw out of the hat. I ended up winning a $25 gift certificate to a bookstore. So I went into the bookstore with the gift certificate and I was rummaging around and I found a Dave Bedini book about hockey on the, you know, uh, clearance table that was like two bucks. <laughs> and the only other thing I could find was the wealthy barber returns. <laughs> so I, you know, I, it was a real easy read, just like the wealthy barber. So I went through the whole thing and a lot of it resonated with me. I really enjoyed the read, all that sort of stuff. And I hadn't finished the book, but I did notice, I think it was in the front of the book, that he puts his email address. So he had made a statement in there about um, public employee pension plans being so good and, and that some private sector people would complain about how good the public service pension plans were. What he didn't state in there was that's actually an RSP development because it's a joint contributory pension plan, which most workplaces are these days. It's not just a contribution by the employer. It's a contribution by the employee as well to build a better pension. Right. right. So anyway, um, I wrote in this long drawn out email, trying to kind of write the way he did and, you know, 
said things like, uh, you know, told him about winning the gift certificate and that it was for $25. And good thing because your book cost 20 bucks. <laughs> and, and stuff like that. But I went on to explain the part about, you know, you have to understand that the pen, one of the reasons the pension is so good is because both parties contribute to it. It's right. not just something the employer pays, right? Which is highly misunderstood in, in the general population. Right. right. So anyway, I, I send this email out and I get an email back in like no time flat that says, loved your email or loved the email, what's your phone number? So I email him my phone number and I, I tell my wife and she says, he's not going to phone you. <laughs> well, about two hours later, the phone rings and we ended up chatting for about 25 minutes and it was quite pleasant. It was quite hilarious. And, you know, it's just something put out there with no expectation. And, you know, what came of it was a interesting conversation with an interesting person. Wow, that's something else, man. I mean, how often does that happen there? Jeff? <laughs> My yeah, God. very often, but you know what? I think that's kind of in his nature. Yeah, I think he does kind of reach out. He's like down to earth like a regular person, you know? Yeah, yeah, and and it uh, wasn't long after that he was announced to be on Dragon's Den, so we, I sent him in a, an email of congratulations, and he emailed me back, like, same thing, within a couple hours saying, Oh, it's a blast. We're taping now, blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff. And then he went on, he was on North of 60 for an episode. So I said, Dragon's Den, North of 60, what's next? Dancing with the stars? <laughs> <laughs> and here again, he emailed right back and said, no, I'll spare you that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's hilarious. And, you know, good for you for not... You know, like other people might bam be bamboozled by, ooh, it's the, the big author guy, but you just treat him like one of the buds that you'd meet, uh, you know, sitting at the bar or something, you know? It, yeah. It's, it's, he's a regular guy, you know? I mean, and and if, if Dave's listening to this, take no offense, Dave, but you're completely wrong on the whole pension thing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you got, do I hear the phone ring in there, Jim? <laughs> Not, well, it hasn't yet, Winston, no. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, it's funny. You know, it's funny on that same thing you're mentioning the Malcolm Gladwell uh, outliers, and I read that book, and I was actually kind of taken in by it. And actually, funny thing on on a similar vein, I actually wrote Malcolm Gladwell a, a short email after I read that. And sure enough, I didn't think the email was going to get to him. He wrote back and he said, "Thanks, MG." <laughs> so. so I he mean, wasn't near as wordy as his books then. No, was not he? nearly as his books because he likes to be concise. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, oftentimes in his books and, you know, I can't remember which book has which story or whatever in it, um, but, you know, he takes a bit of a serendipitous route in explaining why he's researched this and the article that he's written. And that's kind of one of the really big enjoyments of reading Malcolm Gladwell. Mm -hmm. I agree. You know, it, it's funny, uh, you know, we were talking about serendipitous events. I think I gave you one, well, I gave you the, the one about the plane and I gave you the one about meeting my wife. This yeah. is a longer story, but I, I kind of keep that one short now. Um, but the other one that I think of, let me think. Um, oh, and, and my, my singer friend, uh, Brian McKnight, the singer. And um, short story on that one about it's almost 25 years, but uh, 25, 24 and a bit years ago, I, I picked up this, um, this CD from a singer, which you guys might know, Brian McKnight, 
Um, he's Grammy nominated and has probably sold about 25 million albums at this point. And um, at the time he started out, he's a year young, year older than me. I think he's just slightly older than me. And um, he was just starting out. His uh, family's pretty musical. And I took it upon myself to try to promote the fellow. <laughs> like, from remote distance there, Jim. Without knowing him at all, I just liked his music. And I really wanted to let people know about it. So I gave back in any the only way I knew how at, at 18 or 19. I, I made a little mini website for him. Now... Those of you listening to this now say, oh, no big deal, website, right? This was down the days where Jim and I will know that we had dial-up modems, you know what I mean? <laughs> this was not during the days that you see now where you just click on a button and you're on the internet. No, no, you had to dial up. <laughs> it was not the end thing at the time. We're talking 300 uh, baud rates, right? Okay. And um, back in the Commodore 64 days and the pet computer days, this is what we're talking about. Where, you know, I think it's easy to forget like, that we have Wi-Fi and everything now. But back then, this was like a, a dream and it wasn't real, right? And um, so I started this little website for him. And it, it was at the days when artists didn't even have their own websites, really. It, it was that new, right? And so I gave where I could and got to know him. Uh, I didn't get to know him right away. But what happened is I, I ran the site for almost like, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years. And then uh, as chance would have it, one of the, one of the days... Um, I had created this uh, message board for him for, to collect all the fans from worldwide to uh, talk about music and his music and his upcoming concerts. And out of the blue, I just said, hey, I'm going to be down at the concert in Vegas. Um, you know, here's where I'm sitting. If by chance, I was just feeling in a, in a funny mood, you know, Jim. I just said, hey, yeah. if Brian happens to be reading this, and I really didn't think he did, um, you know, I'll be sitting in, in this XYZ seat at your concert and give me a shout out if you're there, right? <laughs> and I, I, of course, he was going to be there at his concert, so that was a uh, <laughs> that was like a presumed thing, eh, Jim? Yeah. Well, yeah, you'd hope. You'd hope that the guy that's singing would show up, right? So, yeah. but anyways, my wife and I, my wife and I decide to leave our daughter, who was little young at the time, with my parents, and um, we flew down to um, to Vegas, and uh, we went down there, and um, and we got to the concert. And I was front row center. It was awesome. It was like Paris Las Vegas Hotel. And my wife and I were sitting there, and I was like, with anticipation, you know, you you created the site for this fellow, you followed his music for a good seven years, and you know, part of your life is devoted to this uh, fan base of people that you you've never really met, but you're just a name to them, right? <laughs> and so, uh, this website I created was like called BrianMcKnightFans.com, and so, anyways, I, I leave it out there. He comes out on stage, I'm thinking, yes, this is the moment. After I've been waiting so many years, like, he might actually recognize me. But little to, to my disappointment, he didn't look at me. He didn't even make acknowledgement of me. <laughs> and I'm just a little bit like, I wasn't expecting a lot, but I was just hoping, you know? Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess midway through the concert, now that I've made no contact at all, my wife looks over at me and says, it's not, it's no, don't worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> try to, try to appease my disappointment. I said, yeah, okay, no problem. But, you know, no biggie deal. I, I didn't really expect him to really read my website or blog or anything. Like, you know, chances were low. I know. And I'm talking myself out of this thing, right? And then midway through the concert, all the lights turn off in the whole concert hall and like at the Paris Las Vegas Hotel. There's about three, 3,000 people there. And um, spotlight goes on him on a white grand piano, and he goes, this next set is kind of special. There's been a long dedicated fan sitting out there for a very long time, and tonight, I'd like to dedicate this next song to you, 
Winston, and then the spotlight <laughs> shone down on me, and my wife, like, headlights on a deer. <laughs> oh, right on. The whole time, he knew I was sitting there, and his people <laughs> had it all set up, and they didn't do it at the beginning. They had to do it midway through the concert when I was almost losing hope. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then, the you know, they put a camera on me and my wife, and we were on this big screen, and then I'm, like, jumping up for joy, going, you the man, brother. <laughs> <laughs> And then he starts to dedicate this song to me, and I'm like giving him a standing ovation before he even finishes, you know? <laughs> and I just, it, to me, that was just a pinnacle moment of uh, serendipity. Because it's like, if, had I not put myself in that spot, had I not put in the effort of being in that spot, it wouldn't have happened. But this still felt like I was just at the right place at the right time. Yeah, and that goes back to what you said earlier, that if you don't jump in, you won't get a chance to play. Exactly. I mean, you'll never experience the highs and lows of life, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the crazy thing is that since that day, you know, Brian and I have become friends. Um, I've seen many concerts of his. It's been a rewarding experience both ways, I would, I would dare to say. Um, he's benefited from learning about my life, my family. He's played in... Uh, a role as a family friend and and then um, myself I I feel like that his his music has become better and better over time and um, it's just great to watch an artist grow and still be entertaining people after 20 25 years oh absolutely yeah you bet and and remain a genuine person at the same time yeah I'll never forget the moment that he met me backstage after that concert and he was swarmed with people and his publicists and Motown people and all these other people but yet he took the moment to look for me backstage and and really it was down to earth and said I, I said wow thank you so much for what you did for me like on stage he goes no 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 thank you for what you've done for me I've been watching and I thought like wow all this time you think, you know, you're doing your good thing and, and you don't think anybody even notices. And then to have someone acknowledge you that you admire that you thought wasn't even watching is a, is a big compliment to, to what you do, right? Yeah, you got it. It's, it's like, um, luck that takes the form of finding valuable or pleasant things that are not looked for. Ooh, <laughs> I love how you brought that full circle, Jim. Yeah, brother, you're just doing it. You're just bringing it back home, you know. Oh man, I mean, it, you know, it's funny. This, like we, like we were talking about before, and in all our other episodes, we don't script any of this really. We just kind of roll with it. We, we do very little. We, I don't think we do much editing at all, other than hitting the stop button and then posting it. <laughs> we jump in the deep end to see what happens. Yeah, and so far we're still swimming. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and no sharks in sight. <laughs> Let's do a little bit of foresight here, Jim. How long do you think we can run this uh, Seize the Day thing in, in our lifetimes? Um, as long as we want. Yeah, I don't think there's a beginning or end in the sense. Yeah, there's, there's no point in timelines. Yeah, I mean, it's almost infinite, right? Um, yeah, because... To put a timeline to something puts a, makes it finite or puts an expectation on uh, how long the process will go, and I think the process can be perpetual. Yeah, I agree. And as long as we're having a good time doing it, I mean, I, I think our, our friendship is solid, 
and then our, our listeners benefit from that. But more so than anything else, we're just doing it for the love of doing it. And that's what you're hearing in its purest form. Uh, it's two, two friends just having a good time, chatting about things about life, trying to share and maybe carry you through a day of a, a long drive on a, on a long, narrow road that's kind of boring. <laughs> well, and, and it's, it's a chance for us to, to spend some time together once a month, but you know, we'll just share a little bit with how the process goes is, is what things have caught your eye or you've recognized in the past month, be it, you know, an experience of going somewhere or, you know, having heard something or, you know, having watched something or, or whatever, you know, and, and taking, sharing that with, with, in my case, with Winston or with Winston and me, you know, we've, we've talked about all sorts of things. Um, you know, slow-mo, a, a video on a guy that used to be a doctor that seeks to get an inner ear position by rollerblading in a certain position. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, and uh, the Dalai Lama has come into it, and and uh, it's something we haven't talked about, but an interview on day six with a, a, a Vietnam vet who did some really heroic stuff during uh, the Katrina situation in New Orleans, John Keller. It's, it's just a fantastic interview. It's really impactful if you listen to it. And, uh, you know, we talked about Andrea Bocelli and communication. Oh, Yeah. Verbal, non-verbal, all those things, you know, it's been quite a year. Yeah, we've had an amazing 12 months together and it's like, you know, the journey's just beginning. I feel like we're just cracking the surface of it. It's like an iceberg, we're just at the tip, right? <laughs> and, you know, there's just so much there and, um, you know, wow, I feel like, you know, uh, the sky's the limit on this. We'll, we'll just keep doing this. Uh, for the love of doing this, and um, you know, if if people find us, that's great. You know, and and all the power to you <laughs> for finding and, us. <laughs> and I'll go back to something we talked about in our first episode, Winston. Yeah, it was Glenn Hansard's song "Winning Streak." Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so you know, we'll just keep our winning streak moving right along. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. That's deep, brother. So, I mean. On the theme of serendipity in our uh, one-year anniversary episode, I think we've done quite well today, Jim. Oh, outstanding as usual, Winston. Yeah, I mean, I mean, buddy, I mean, it, it's a, it's an honor to be your friend and to share these thoughts with you uh, once a month. And uh, you know, I, I think that um, if nothing else, it's been such a rewarding experience to um, just connect with you on a regular basis and share our deep thoughts with. Um, uh, the world, and um, I'm looking forward to many, many more years of this. So, uh, cheers to you, buddy. Excellent. Thank you, Winston. And the feeling is 100% mutual. All right, bud. I guess we'll sign off our, our anniversary episode by telling everyone in the world to seize the day. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. All right. Until next month, Jim and I are signing off, and uh, that's for Winston out here and my buddy Jim out there. So, adieu. <laughs> Take care, Jim. Okay, Winston, you too. All right, see ya.